Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast, presented by 13 Fishing Canada. Make your own luck. We're here to scratch that angling itch and talk everything fishing. Join us as we sit down with special guests from across the industry. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon Cater and Logan Lewis. What is going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Weekend Warriors Fishing Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Logan Lewis, and unfortunately, uh, you're stuck with just me today. Brown is a little bit under the weather, so uh, this interview episode here is just going to be me and our guest, Adam Gamble, uh, one of my buddies that I guided with up at uh, Lac Lamart this past spring. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to hop on here quick. Nothing too much in the intro here, given that it's just myself. But I uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, as we always do at the start. Um, so a big thank you to the Saskatchewan Wildlife Federation for coming on again this year. Um, like we always say, make sure you get that membership. 20 25 bucks gets you uh, access to a bunch of great stuff, some land, magazine, insurance, stuff like that. Um, so be sure to check them out, find out where your local branch is, and uh, get that membership. Uh, big thanks to 13 Fishing, our presenting sponsor, of course. Um, like we mentioned in the last episode, we're here. It's spring. It's time to get stocked up. Um, I know after talking to Adam after the episode here, um, he said he had just picked up a couple of rods from 13 there for uh, guiding up at uh, Lac Lamart this summer there. So um, I'll definitely be taking a look at some of those and some of the baits and whatnot that they have on the website. And then lastly, we have Lucky Bastard Distillers. Um, as always, we'll have a quick word here from them. And uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode here. We kind of get into some of what uh, what Adam does for his full-time gig, what he's got going on the side, and then, of course, guiding up in uh, up in Lac Lamarth there. Quite a bit of talk about that. But I think you guys will enjoy this one. It's one of the first times that we've had someone from Alberta on the podcast as well. So got to represent the province to the west of us there um, as they have some great fishing as well. But, yeah, here's a quick word from Lucky Bastard Distillers, and then we'll hop right into the episode. There are certain moments in life that really stick with you. This is definitely one of them. The thrill of the deal, my friends, is not a myth. Prohibition is over, Saskatchewan. Ask about LB's legendary Birmingham's Dill Pickle Vodka. After all, it's not a party until someone pulls out the pickle. Tours and tastings available. Call or stop by 814 47th Street East. And tonight, why not mix your Caesar with some lucky bastard? It's the one with the pickle in it. Well, I just crushed a power nap. And came downstairs to sit down with my camp dad. We have uh, we have Adam Gamble here. Um, I this is one I, I've been wanting to do for a while, and uh, luckily we're kind of able to to make this work out. It's not too long till we'll be seeing each other in person again here. So uh, thanks for taking the time to to sit down with me. Heck yeah, buddy! It's good to see you. Looking forward to chatting a little bit today, and uh, I'm definitely getting excited for lodge season again. It's going to be really great to get back up there with you. Everybody else too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We just got the emails today, I think, from from HR, so things are getting pretty real. Um, unless you didn't get yours, maybe they haven't told you you're actually not coming up this year. But uh, I'm not gonna. I lie. just I got, got mine. mine at I least. got mine yesterday. So, <laughs> well, I guess I didn't want to say anything. I got one yesterday too, but uh, it seemed like the official one came out today. So maybe <laughs> we're just extra special. But uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Zach wanted to make sure we got those. But no, um, thanks. Like I said, thanks for coming on. I guess. I could give a pretty brief overview 
of who you are and everything, but we kind of like to let the guests do that because it's not like I can look you up on Wikipedia, not yet at least, to get a to get a good overview. So uh, you I can, guess for actually, listening, but you'll get an author. Oh, okay. it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so not, maybe not the one that our listeners are looking for, given the genre we're in here. But uh, I guess for for anyone who hasn't seen you on socials, I know you're very active on there. But for anyone who hasn't seen you, who are you? What do you do? Uh, sounds good. So my name's Adam Gamble. Uh, I'm actually a full time firefighter with the city of Edmonton. Uh, and on my days off, I'm a fishing guide. I run my own fishing company, uh, Adam's Angling Adventures. And uh, every summer for the last few years, I've been going up to. Lac Lamart Adventures in the Northwest Territories on Lac Lamart to guide up there. I uh, helped out uh, Zach Brown, fecal guide, if you know who that is. And last year I was lucky enough to meet Logan. We had a really good time, really good crew up there last year. As mentioned, looking mm-hmm. forward to getting back up there. So, yeah, that's uh, that's who I am. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty pretty easy overview and I, I think uh, I think it's pretty cool that like I know there is a couple guys from like last year was my first experience going up to lodging guiding but I know there's a couple guys who do it when they're back home but there is lots of guys like you said you're a full-time firefighter as well like lots of guys kind of lead normal normal lives until they manage to get that couple weeks or a couple months off work to to go up there and guide right so I think we're all all pretty lucky to do that um I guess one thing I, I, I thought thought of just as you're talking there, and if you if you'd like to plead the fifth, that's fine. But what when you came off the plane there, because I was there a couple of days before you, because yeah. you showed up with Jesse, right? Yeah, yeah, I did that time. Yeah, okay. So so when you first saw me, what was your first thoughts, and did those <laughs> thoughts change by the time the my well, my month was up? If if I'm being honest, I'm pretty sure you were wearing that same hoodie you wore every single day. And I was like, who is this kid wearing a double XL hoodie that looks like he should be in an extra medium? Oh, uh, the billabong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, I remember you sent a picture in the group chat of the spoon with the peanut butter on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. this kid's good shit. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, it all kind of came together from there. Lodge dad, lodge kid. It's worked out good. Had mm-hmm. a lot of fun. The, uh, I definitely got to see you grow up there, even in the short period uh, you were there. So that was kind of cool, how you were dealing with your clients um, and situations mm-hmm. as they arose. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that's I, that's something I definitely felt too. It was kind of like, I remember the like the first couple of days being up there and you're it's all new right never being up there you're trying to figure things out while working like all day right so yeah. you don't have a lot of time to kind of get situated as much and um just like even just at the start going to never been to a place where i don't know anyone before right like you've been like gone to school and stuff where yeah maybe you're in classes that you don't know someone but when you're going back to your dorm you know someone stuff yeah. like that right so going in there it's like just trying to get people's names right like I don't know how many times I messed up Jesse's name and stuff like that, or just like just getting confused. And I was like, "Man, this is, it's a lot to to take in at once, right?" But like you said, once you get settled in there, it's and actually like relax and start to enjoy it and be like, "Hey, I only have not that I didn't enjoy it, but like I only have twenty more days left here. Like I got to take advantage of these kind of thing. Like yeah. definitely like game changer in in the sense of a mindset, right? Rather than just constantly like I got to figure this out, figure this out. It's just like let's just sit back for a sec and kind of enjoy being lucky. Like, like we all look around there, all of us guides aren't, it's not lost on us how lucky we are to, to be up there. And it's 
pretty special place and i know you take full advantage of that every time the planes are coming in you got your phone take it taking a video of that and and like it's all stuff that i'm sure we all look back on while we're not there being like man i can't i can't wait to be back there that's uh, that's exactly it after uh whether it's a long day at work or whatever else, it's nice to be able to go home and think back to those times at the lodge, just hanging out, whether uh, you're out on the water working or you're sitting around a fire at the end of the day, hanging out with everybody, having some laughs. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's definitely a special place. And having the opportunity to go up there for a few weeks every year, is uh, it's a good reset. Uh, let's a guy yeah. get a proper sleep pattern back down and uh just be able to get back in touch with nature and the people around them so it's pretty good yeah well i guess with you being shift work too that that sleep pattern i'm sure is non-existent (laughs) yep (laughs) yeah no that's totally fair but i guess let's rewind big time into i guess the start like how did how did you yourself get into fishing um i know we've had a lot of people on from all the different provinces we haven't had alberta guys on yet so kind of Maybe it's different over there. Everyone has a different story, but how'd you get into it? Well, um, you know, I don't really know for sure when it all started, but I have a few core memories of fishing, if you will. And uh, one mm-hmm. of them, I was very, very young, uh, riding in the back of an old school suburban that had the backwards facing bench seats right out the back window. <laughs> and uh, we were driving out to Pigeon Lake with a bunch of my dad's family friends. And we went ice fishing for the day out there. Uh, we were trying to catch some whitefish. And I mm-hmm. laid down on the ice all day long, looking down the hole in like six, eight feet of water, staring at my little wire worm. Didn't see anything all day long till just before we were going to pack up. And I watched this whitefish swim right past my wire worm, nice and slow. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to do this again. It kind of seems like... Yeah not catching anything that you might not get hooked, but uh, that got me pretty hooked. And then uh, as a kid, I spent a lot of time up at Fawcett Lake, which is a little bit farther north here uh, in Alberta uh, with the same family friends and honestly had a really good time. I always seem to catch a lot bigger fish than everybody else, whether that's just beginner's luck or as they always seem to say, kids always seem to catch the biggest fish. And uh, mm-hmm. It was something that uh, I just really took an affinity to. And it isn't even just the fishing. It's the being outdoors. It's the drive. It's the time spent with friends. Um, being able to get that reset in nature. It's uh, yeah. yeah. It's something that's always been a part of me. And it just continues to be a part of my life. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that it's catching the biggest fish kind of fast forward to now is still holding true. Because I think you guided the biggest fish while we were up there, right? Didn't, didn't you with, uh, well, with that we Laker? Were up there, I think so. And then I'm pretty sure uh, Braden got a couple. Well, he definitely got a couple bigger ones later on in the season. They were monsters. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then yeah, uh, so. right after I left too, Zach got that 50-inch uh, silver with Ryan Kohler. Oh, right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking Lake Trout. Pike, Pike can be pushed to the side. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. I think Lake Trout possibly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and those those were that was that was a big fish, and that was a a good day there. It's crazy those pictures. I have those on my phone. I look back at them quite often, being like, "Man, like go, we're lucky to get a a few." I think I, I don't know if it was like seven or eight, something like that, over forty while I was up there. But once you get to that size that you were 
getting oh, yeah. up to there, it's like they just look totally different. Like it's well, crazy. You get a fish even between the difference between forty to forty two is astounding, and then you go from forty two mm-hmm. to forty four, and it's just another ridiculous amount of weight that those yeah. fish put on. Yeah, exactly, and that's I think I was always in that forty to forty two range. I didn't go over forty two. Uh, by choice, I didn't. I didn't want to go over forty two, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I didn't get I didn't get any over forty two. So yeah, when those when those picks came in of yours, it was it was pretty crazy. So I don't know. Obviously, obviously, you've been doing it for a while because you, you're still catching the the bigger fish, and I think that is something that beginner luck kind of goes into it a bit. And I think I liked your story that you're talking about when you look down that hole all day with the wire worm. Um, I'm going to be talking to you about whitefish later on in the podcast too, but with the <laughs> wire worm and like, I don't know, like, cause I've taken some family members out and whatever, if we go to Buffalo and we just have a heyday on perch and then they come out the next time and it's like, well, why aren't we catching anything? I'm like, well, you're just lucky that you had a good day. Yeah. Right. They're, and they're, they're younger. My little cousins are younger and they just maybe don't understand that concept totally. Right. So I think that does help to have your first couple times, not be totally skunked. Yeah but have to work for it, right? Because if the very first time or first couple times out that you do it, it's just, oh, I just put this down the hole or I just cast out and I catch a fish. It's like, there's not much to it, but it's kind of that, if you have that drive and that want to to keep catching stuff and have to work for it and you kind of embrace that, I know there lots of people doing this are younger, but if you're actually able to embrace that, I think that's what keeps people coming back because I think if you went out and caught fish like crazy every time, you wouldn't keep going, right? Eventually, I think that would get old. That's, uh, I have my slow days too and when I have those slow days, it makes me even uh, more excited to get back out there and figure out what the heck those fish are wanted to eat. No, that's that's so true and I'm I'm sure you get it uh, too lots, well, really anyone that fishes and they get someone who doesn't fish as much talking to them and they're like, see your Instagram post or your Facebook post like man you catch fish all the time and it's like for every picture you see mm-hmm. you like I maybe well like you're pretty consistent with uploading on there I'm not very consistent and um like maybe I'll post one one a month or something like that it's like for every one post you see I don't know how many days I was out there fishing yeah right and it's just maybe I didn't take pictures of much or whatever like it's there's lots of it's not like I go out there and that happens every time so I think that's maybe something that some people don't understand as much. And then that can also make it tough when say people come out to be guided. And it's like that, like we have good days a lot. Like it's, that's why you're a guide, right? You have, you have good days, but also got to understand that some days a little bit slower, but that's, that's what fishing is. Yeah, that's exactly it. Does it make, does it make you mad when somebody says, uh, that's why they call it fishing, not catching? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does make me mad. I like to, I like to use that. That's my excuse. Yeah, or my one of my dad's favorite ones is, oh, we were just washing hooks today. Yeah. 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 I washed a lot of that hooks this winter, I can tell you that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, especially when you when you make that drive out. Like, if you're going, if you say you're lucky enough to, to live on a lake or whatever, have a cabin out there, you can go out for the, say, the morning bite, come in, hang out for a bit or whatever, then go out for the evening bite. But if you're driving out somewhere, you just got to sit in that tent <laughs> and wait out those dead periods. It's like, yeah. man, why, like, not why am I here, but it's like, I know it's coming. It's going to be good later, but it's like those hours in between, it's like, man, <laughs> there could be something else I could be doing right now, yeah. but you never know. Cause those are sometimes when the bigger fish come through too. So you gotta, gotta put in all the time. But, uh, I guess, like I said, we've had no one on from Alberta before. So you're kind of, you're the initial impression here. So, so be that what it may, what's, what's Alberta got? Like, I know everyone thinks Alberta mountains, but 
you're <laughs> out just outside of Edmonton, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just, so uh, like, just west I, of Edmonton. Okay, so you're towards the mountains at least, right? Yeah. But like, if you think mountains, I think Calgary. <laughs> yeah, marginally. I know they're far from Edmonton, right? So it's kind of what's what's Alberta got? Like, I know everyone just thinks, at least not everyone, but lots of time I just think fly fishing. And that's what my head instantly goes so to. That's, uh, I was going to definitely mention on that side of things. Um, I'm pretty, uh, as of right now, uh, I fish mostly lakes uh, from anywhere from the northern part of the province all the way down south, east to west. Uh, down south, a lot of our lakes are reservoirs, just as you'd have in Saskatchewan. Um, down south, it can be pretty flat. It can be pretty windy. Up north, uh, even in northern Alberta, you can start to get into the Canadian Shield, the rocky and sandy, the nice lakes that you would see up around, say, Flin Flon, uh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but there's a big mix. Uh, we're really lucky with all the rivers and creeks we have here as well, as you were saying. Uh, the fly fishing side of things, when people think of Alberta, a lot of times they're immediately drawn to the Bow River. Uh, good fishing yep. for trout and everything else. Uh, believe it or not, I have never fished the Bow River, which is wild for me to think. But uh, I'm hoping this year to get down there and actually dedicate a few days to some trout fishing. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't fished for trout much over the last few years just because I prefer to fish for bigger species per se. And uh, yeah. Uh, used to get a little bit frustrated with trout, uh, so I put down the fly rods for a while. But uh, I'm, this year, I'd like to jump back into it a bit more. Okay, so you have done a bit of fly fishing, though. Oh yeah, quite a bit. I still fly yeah. fish pretty frequently with a eight weight for pike and walleye. Um, oh, okay. And in the fall, I'll go out with a five or six weight for some big white fish too. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I. I think lots of people like it's crazy we're right side by side here with Saskatchewan and Alberta and the regulations couldn't be any more different between the two provinces as far as walleye go, especially. Um, but just, it, it's just such a different environment and stuff like that. As far as like, appreciate sure, I don't know how many more people there are. I think Saskatchewan's around like 1 million, 1 1.1 or something like that. Like obviously more people in Alberta and stuff like that, which leads to more pressure and, and all that stuff. But yeah, that's, like as far as you for walleye for guiding how does that work are you allowed to to keep like i don't know the exact rules i just always see on facebook about tags and stuff like that for walleye gotcha. so uh, a couple quick points on that so if uh, if my memory serves me correctly um i can't speak to the current number of licensed anglers in uh, saskatchewan versus alberta uh mm -hmm. but in alberta there's roughly 800 fishable lakes um, that are. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Not That's many. There's, there's, there is a few more, but there's 800 that they recognize in the regulations that have separate regulations. Uh, about 400 of those are drive to access. So, okay. pretty much all of the licensed anglers in Alberta are relegated to fishing 400 lakes. It mm -hmm. gives you. A lot of pressure on a lot of lakes and our retention limits become a lot lower as a result. Um, there's tons of issues with poaching and other things, but that's a completely different topic I'm not going to get into. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you compare Saskatchewan. No hot takes there? Sorry? No hot takes there on the, on the poaching? <laughs> I've got some hot takes, but I'll keep them myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for now, for now. 
Uh, I'll, I'll hear him in. Uh, I'll hear him June fourth. Oh, you will for sure. You will for sure. <laughs> the uh, Saskatchewan, if I remember correctly, has roughly ten thousand lakes, um, especially in the northern part of the province, up in the northern zone, and uh, lakes see a lot less pressure. Uh, so that creates uh, a more sustainable fishery, to say. Um, mm-hmm. So in Alberta, they have introduced a tag system. And actually this year, quite a few lakes across the province, they have opened two retention of walleye, um, allowing anglers to keep one walleye on most lakes between uh, 45 to 55 centimeters or 50 to 55, depending on where you're fishing. Um, and they feel like those lakes can sustain that pressure. So we'll see what happens. Um, so is that one per day? One per day. And uh, one thing a lot of people don't understand um, in the province of Alberta is our regulations. We have uh, your daily possession limit as well as your retention limit. So your retention limit on walleye is three fish total. So if you have three fish in your mm-hmm. freezer at home, you can't keep another walleye that day. That's how that right. works. And a lot of people... How it's supposed to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people don't necessarily follow those rules, but that's is what it is. Again, another issue entirely. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's a huge lack of education in this province on our regulations and fisheries, and I'd really like mm-hmm. to see that stepped up. And I'm working on uh, a few different initiatives with a couple different groups to hopefully um, have something come into play over the next couple of years, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, the tag system though, uh, a lot of the lakes around Alberta as well, you have the tag system. So you apply, uh, for your tag system. There's three, three different sizes of tags, um, A, B, and C. All your C tags are undersubscribed, so you can just purchase them. Um, usually that allows you to keep two walleye under 43 centimeters. Uh, your B tags is two walleye between 43 to 50. And then your A tags is two over 50. Okay, so that 50 is like 21 inches, 20 yeah, inches, something that. like that? Yeah. Okay. So enough to get a meal. And honestly, uh, one of the local lakes here, uh, Lake Wobman, uh, they stocked it with plenty of walleye over the last years. And uh, there's an abundance of walleye in that A and B tag size. So mm-hmm. they have an abundance of the C size tags. And I spend a lot of time out there. And if you get fill up those fish properly you get two good walleye and you can get a lot of meat off them yeah and i think that's uh one thing like i know when you're younger it's go out i mean our limits are i think it's i i suck with limits because i don't keep fish really ever but um i think it's four walleye and so you go out and you keep your four and, and our possession limit is our daily limit as well um but even still if you're going out with say like me dad my sister went out and We've never, I've literally never, I don't think ever kept my limit, but say we did, we kept four each, right? So four, eight, 12, there's our fish. You're not going to eat 12 in one night. So then it's, it's going and freezing your fish and stuff like that. And to me, I think it's just better to go out, catch the fish that day, eat it that day. Cause it just never is good when they're thawed out, right? A hundred percent. It's always better fresh. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the nice thing about what we do up North too. It's all fresh. No, we're not having to package fish up and send them home for people with it being a trophy lake and stuff like that. But that's kind of beside the point. But yeah, though, I think I think that's kind of a good way to look at it because, like you said, it's enough for a meal. It's not an 
it's a little bit di- it's different than hunting right like mm-hmm. it's you get enough for a meal with going out and fishing catching your your say your two walleye or whatever and you're not just stockpiling your freezer um hunting a little different right you know what you're going you're going out for meat and that's the whole point of it is to have that yeah. um in storage kind of available to you but yeah no i think that's that's interesting release hunting no, it doesn't work out very well. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a way to catch and release hunting, I think I'd be trying it. But yeah, no, uh, that's that's the one thing I had to kind of get used, not used to, but had to get over. I never even used to like killing fish. Like when I was younger and first started fishing, like I was crying when we keep a fish. I was like, I don't, I don't want to keep it. Like I just still do. hated seeing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just got to turn around just so the clients don't see it. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and that's the thing. It's just something you got to get used to. But, um, no, no, it's interesting with, with that tag system because obviously I've never, I'm the typical person, I guess, I just read on Facebook and that's the rules, right? Whatever go, says on Facebook is the rules. So um, just always seen people complain about the retention and stuff like that. And then you literally cross over the imaginary line of the border and you can go keep four fish. And it's like, I don't know, it's it obviously works out nicer that we have so many lakes here. We're lucky with that, right? you can go up north and the walleye numbers you get into are crazy and it makes sense. Right. But I didn't realize that the number of accessible lakes that you can drive to is so small there. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. Hmm. So it's, uh, I'd like to say most people are honestly really good with following the regulations and rules and being smart about what they do keep. And it's, it's just that minority that create issues for everyone and that's we just got to deal with the consequences of that so yeah and that that sentence you said there could literally be applied to 99 percent of things in life (laughs) right so it's like there's always you're never going to get rid of that amount of people it's whatever like a talking about lots of things if you can walk into a room and 95 percent of people are doing what they're supposed to or 95 percent of people like you i think you're going to be pretty happy right there's always going to be that 5% or whatever that's an issue, and there's not much you can do about well, that. Well, that's, that's something here. Like, however much beef Alberta Sustainable Resources takes over what they decide and how our regulations are put together and everything else, how they come up with all these numbers, they're doing what they can with the limited resources they can. There has been so yeah. much power taken away from them in the last few years, and same goes to... Uh, fish and wildlife here they've had a lot of challenges in the last few years they're stretched thin they they don't have the resources to be able to keep an eye on all of our lakes and or our hunting resources and everything else that's out here so mm-hmm. i'm curious yeah. to see what is going to happen what is going to happen over the next 10 years in this province with uh, especially after COVID, the influx of anglers and hunters uh, flocking to the outdoors. Um, are we going to see a decline? Are we going to see an incline uh, in numbers? Are there going to be people dropping out of the sport? Uh, it'll be, mm-hmm. be interesting to see. Yeah, well, because I definitely even saw it this year just with the number of shacks out on the lake. Like during COVID, <laughs> yeah. people weren't going on vacations. They weren't doing, they weren't whatever they weren't say they weren't going on a ten thousand dollar vacation so all of a sudden we got to find something to do in the winter they're buying a shack and like the lake had so many shacks and then i even noticed this year i'm driving down the hill and i have a view of the whole lake i'm like man it's crazy how many 
like I'm all I'm thinking is there's a bunch of shacks I could probably get a good deal on that are sitting in a farmyard somewhere or something like that. Like there's yeah. so many less out there, it seemed. And and even when there is the shacks out there, maybe only like twenty five percent of them have people at it. Like yeah. the, the permanent shacks, right? Like it's it's crazy that uh I mean prices don't seem to have changed from the the way that they went up, like boat prices and stuff like that during COVID went crazy and they don't really seem to have come back down, I don't think. But no. Uh, maybe that's just yeah, how things are. Much, that's for sure. Yeah, and back to that point about not enough resources. I think that's true for pretty well any fish and wildlife uh, agency. It seems right. Like yeah. it's it's like I'm maybe I'm probably in the minority, but I'm happy when I see the COs. You want to check me? That's totally fine. I'm I'm happy to see that you're out there and doing that because then I know that you're potentially ch- you're, you'll be checking other people as well, right? And there's a lot of rules. And so I'm always nervous that maybe there's something I'm forgetting about or didn't know about kind of thing. That's my only nervous part when they come up and check. But other than that, it's like you've been, if you've been fishing long enough and stuff, you you pretty well got a a grasp on all that. Right. And like you said, that's where it comes into education as well. Like the amount of education that goes into, at least in Saskatchewan here, getting your hunter safety and stuff like that. It's a big course. You got to write a test and everything like that. If I want to go fishing, I can just, buy a license and go fishing right no no species identification nothing like that and then that's how you end up with people on facebook with who knows what in their sink saying what is this i caught it today (laughs) it's like i don't think that fish is going back (laughs) yeah you see that a lot i had i truthfully i had to i was a part of a few different facebook groups here in alberta and i just i had to leave them i couldn't handle it anymore stuff you see on there it's hilarious yeah Oh yeah, it's it's crazy, and I mean, it is nice to see that. Like, it's always good when people are getting into it, right? That's more money going into the to that fund and stuff like that, and and helping out with things. But with that comes the people that are, there's some people are ignorant to it, and some people just <laughs> they just don't know, right? So it does it does make it tough. But I think that's it's a, at least if you're on social media and you're into this stuff, there has been a big switch, I think at least into. A, kind of what you used to see however many years ago to a lot more people like myself you our page whatever like there's lots of people that are really good with promoting the ethical side of it and uh limiting your catch instead of catching your limit and stuff like like all these things right and i mean limits are there and you're just you're like your limits four you're legally allowed to keep four so you you can't get mad at someone for following the rules right yeah. even if you disagree that maybe that shouldn't be the rules uh, maybe the you think the limit should be two or three whatever right but um i think well, people have been pretty pretty good about that so it's nice to see that change coming back to your point there about whether somebody is ignorant or uneducated um mm-hmm. i think the problem with that too is the penalty is the same no matter what whether you're ignoring the fact or whether you didn't yeah. know and that's true uh, when when there's been repeat offenders um to certain rules and regulations the, there isn't a harsher penalty and it'd be nice to see the hammer get dropped on these people so that yeah others understand that if they're not following the rules and regulations there might be some serious consequences instead of just a slap on the wrist Right, yeah, and that's that's been the same thing. If you wanted to get into like the the crimes against animals too, and I know that's a bit different, but there's hardly any penalties for that, and there seems to be hardly any penalties for 
lots of these environmental crimes and stuff, which they can have a, like people don't realize how big of an effect some of these things have. And it's like, people might look at it like, Oh yeah, you were selling a couple of fish. And it's like, well, that's what they know about. Right. Yeah. Like what, what don't, what, what didn't they find or whatever, stuff like that. So it's like, and the, and the repeat offender thing is a big thing. Cause it's like, they're obviously going to keep doing it. So maybe if they just keep getting the same, I don't even know what the fine would be, but it's not enough. Right. Like they keep getting that same little fine. It's like, ah, whatever. Cost of doing business, keep doing yep. it, right? Like, it's there's there's no reason not to. But I guess I did see something. I didn't know. I don't know if you want to touch on it or not. But did you see? Um, I think I just saw it this week. It was something to do with a guy who was like a outdoorsman from the shows getting fined like six grand or something like that for fishing in Banff. Uh no, I haven't seen anything on that. You didn't see that? No, I. I, I I don't I don't know too much about it. I, I've watched him on YouTube a bit. Um, I think he was kind of on. I don't know if he was on alone that show or not, but um, he kind of does like a lot of that like same stuff that like oh, Zach Fowler this, does. If you've ever seen him, is this from a few years ago? It maybe happened a few years ago, but he finally just got yes like found yeah. out there. Okay, that then he, yes, that he owed six thousand uh, or something. I saw a post actually about it on the Alberta Outdoorsman Forum today, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. But yes, I do remember seeing something about that uh, on there. And I remember reading okay. from a couple of years back, people were talking about it, saying they were keeping fish in a lake they shouldn't be or whatever the deal was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So so not, not too much dirt on that. We'll maybe have to circle back to that one um, when we're up at the lodge, figure out what that article said. But uh I guess kind of going, I know we've been kind of talking about a little bit, but what's, what you got going on with Adam's angling, uh, adventures? Like, do you, when did you start that up and kind of what could a potential client expect? Yeah. So, uh, I decided to start, uh, my own, uh, guiding company here in Alberta back in, I decided to start it in 2020, uh, primo timing with COVID <laughs> coming on. Hard. Tourism at an all time high. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, early in uh, January of 2021, uh, I started to get the ball rolling with that, and uh, I was taking guests ice fishing uh, starting in, uh, it would have been, I think, March. I had my first clients out, uh, March 2021. Uh, mm -hmm. So since then, uh, I've been uh, getting busier and busier, which is awesome. And uh, I've been taking clients on full-day, half-day trips, both summer and winter. And I also offer some trophy fishing packages, which uh, include a couple days of fishing and anything you need for the entire trip, whether that's sleeping bags, food. I take care of all the meal prep, cook all your meals, um, water, Gatorade, anything along those lines. If you want to bring Adam can cook really good. I can <laughs> cook pretty good. Yeah. The... Uh, um, yeah, everything's included on those trips. Um, they're a lot of fun. I've had quite a few of them over the last few years, a lot of positive reviews, um, bit of constructive feedback, which I've taken to heart to try and, uh, improve the trips for everyone, but usually a pretty mm -hmm. good time. Um, on those trophy packages, it's usually camping. Um, so I'll set up a tent for the clients that come along. I'm in a separate tent from them whether that's uh, in a campground or another safe location, uh, always make sure that it's safety first. <laughs> that's kind of the deal. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some spots there's cabins, uh, or if we're close to a city, can also look at uh, staying in a hotel or whatever works, but kind of yeah. cater to the guest. Yeah, exactly. And so what's it, what's it look like to become 
a guide in Alberta? Like I, I know the rules are probably different in each oh, province. Oh man, um, this could take a while. I could I could go off on a tangent <laughs> on this one. It is. Yeah. It's actually a fair bit of work and I'm learning, I'm still learning more and more about it. Um, all the different or lack thereof of rules and regulations in this province on guiding and outfitting for angling is uh, pretty wild actually. There isn't any okay. regulation in place saying who can or cannot be a fishing guide. Um, and there isn't anything in place saying what you need for insurance. Uh, okay. So... I myself have uh, made sure that I have proper coverage in all aspects. I have liability over the business, liability on the boat, uh, collision with the boat. It's all commercially insured, um, not personally, which I have discovered through my research that a lot of guides do have personal coverage, mm -hmm. not proper liability. And if anything ever happened, their insurance would not cover them. It's, oh, okay. uh, it's a bit of a mess. Like the debacle I've been through with insurance is it's pretty hectic, but I'm glad I've been through it. And I actually understand uh, the ins and outs of all that now. Um, I also have all my safety certificates and training through uh, um, to make sure everybody stays safe on a fishing trip. Basically, I've, CPR first aid. It helps you're a firefighter. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Uh, I've <laughs> yeah. got practice. Um, yeah. So ensuring I have those certifications is a big step as well. Um, a lot of uh, the guides out there don't have all those certifications. And if something goes sideways out on the water, they don't have the ability to take care of those situations. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot behind it. Um, I'm proud of the way... I have, I am running things. Um, it's definitely a little extra work and a little extra cost, but I think in the long run, it will be worth uh, that time and effort for sure. Yeah. And I, I think for people who might be listening, kind of thinking like, why does it matter if it's not really laid out? I think it matters because by having these guides and stuff like that, guides, outfitters, whatever, that's just bringing more tourism everything like that to Alberta, right? And yeah. I'm sure lots of your clients are local, but that's still bringing money into the economy. So why wouldn't the government want to make it as easy as possible? Yeah, Not easy, I guess, but straightforward to be able to figure everything out, right? Because that's just more chances for more economic activity and stuff like that. So I think that'd be the biggest thing that would be the frustration is like, you're trying to do this and there's really no clear set guidelines as to, hey, you need to do this and this and this before you can actually do it. Yeah, and there's there's so many different small things that add up too. Like, uh, if you're gonna be guiding on a lake that's uh, within a provincial park, you actually need a permit to guide within those provincial parks. And mm -hmm. I don't know many other guides that know that you need to actually get a hold of AEP and send in your application and pay to use those resources. And there needs to be an right. emergency plan in place and. It, uh, it's a lot of time and effort, but it's, uh, it, it's definitely rewarding at the end of the day when I can get people out there and they're catching big fish. So, Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if anyone follows you, you see through your stories and your posts, you're really good with that. And um, just getting on the fish and stuff is, is obviously that's part of the package, the main part of the package. But it's interesting that you say that because I know, I, guess I, don't, I shouldn't say no, I don't know a lot. But as far as Saskatchewan, it seems like guides are 
I guide this lake, right? Yeah. I guide, I guide Diefenbaker, I guide Last Mountain, or I guide Tobin. It, they don't really seem to go around. And I think from what I've heard, at least, is I think if there is another guide on that lake, you need permission from them to be able to guide on that lake. So obviously it must be different in Alberta if you're able to hop around to different lakes and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And that's, uh, I, I try to be respectful of uh, guides that do live local to certain lakes and stuff. I don't want to step on any toes, obviously. Um, but if a client requests that they want to go fish a certain lake, I will either offer them the opportunity to fish with me or I'll say, hey, if mm -hmm. it makes more sense for you, I know a guide that works on that lake or he might know that lake better than me. And I will pass along that information to them so that either the guide has the client's information or the client has the guide's information. I'm not, yeah. uh, I'm not out here to make enemies. I want everybody to succeed that's uh, yeah. looking at doing this. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's another thing that's different than quite a few years ago. Like I feel like a decade ago, if you see someone catching fish and stuff, you're kind of more jealous and, and like, oh man, like that should be me or stuff like that. Whereas now it seems like a big community like that you can yeah. easily become a part of. And if I'm seeing my buddy out at last mountain catching big walleye, I'm not mad that someone else is out there catching the walleye. I'm like, Oh, that's sick. Like good for him. Like you're, you're excited for these people. Right. And I, I think that kind of go, it's nice having, having that kind of community. And that's by not stepping on toes. That's the biggest thing, right. Is cause obviously lots of people are like, as lot are, I shouldn't say obviously are lots of people doing this as like their full-time gig in Alberta. Um, I think there's a couple guys, most of the guys that I know are doing it uh, part-time as of now, whether they're pushing to make mm -hmm. it a full-time thing or not. I definitely think most of the guides are part-time and whether they're okay. doing it part-time here and then they travel to New Zealand and guide in the winter, hunting, fishing, whatever. Uh, I know we've yeah. got a couple of guys we know that do that too. So yeah, weird dudes, weird dudes, <laughs> weird dudes, <laughs> mustaches and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, I think that's something that's pretty cool. And, and I, since you've been doing it for a bit now and, and also going up to lack to lack Lamarth there, what would you, say are kind of some advantages and disadvantages of being a guide because obviously you can't always have your cake and eat it too with, with no that. um advantages being outside all the time and that's kind of one of the biggest things for me um if i if i was to be completely honest one of the reasons that i started my own guiding business uh here uh, was to be able to spend more time outdoors and to help people um, learn about fishing. So that that's where that education comes into play. I'm, I want to educate people. I want to help people mm -hmm. learn how to catch fish on their own. I don't, I'm not necessarily looking to have clients come back on repeated trips. I'm, that's great if they do, but if I can teach them something that they can take home and use in the future, that's awesome. That's why I'm doing this. Yeah. Uh, to make to make it a better sport all around in this province. And yeah. as an added bonus for me, being a firefighter, on my days off, I get to go relax and do something else that I love and help other people do it. Like yeah. my, my whole job as a firefighter is helping people, and now I get to take that and do it with something else that I love. It's awesome. There we go. Yeah. You're back. There you go. Hi. Hi. So 
Yeah, there we go. We're back. We're back recording. I just lost, lost internet connection. Pleasures of being in the basement on Wi-Fi, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, we were we were talking about the clients there, and I think I was saying something along the lines of it's it's good that with the local clients that you're able to kind of teach them how to go out and do it themselves, right? Because they're not going to be calling you every single time they're going out, right? Like, yeah. unless who knows? Maybe they have some really deep pockets, but like it's it's they're going to be, you want them to be going out and do it themselves, right? Because maybe they get someone else into it and someone else. And that's kind of like you said, what you're trying to do is educate people and, and stuff like that. So um, as far as, as that part of it, when, when people are coming out with you, are you kind of gauging what they know kind of when they first come and you kind of adjust based on that? A hundred percent. And uh, I'm really fortunate to take out uh I've taken out anglers that have literally never touched a fishing rod before um, to some pretty skilled uh, skilled anglers, whether they're fly fishers or not. Um, mm-hmm. On the beginner side of things, I did a. I've taken out this group twice now. Um, two of them were from Colombia. One was from Bangladesh, and I can't remember where the other one was from. The two from two people from Colombia. Um, had a little bit of fishing experience, but the guy from Bangladesh and the other guy literally never picked up a fishing rod before. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we were out at a particular lake up here and I'm trying to teach him how to cast and he's learning slowly and basically just dropping his hook in the water right off the end of the rod. But guess what? Pike like big shiny things. He accidentally dropped his spoon right in the water, (laughs) catches a fish. It explodes right beside the boat. He's losing his mind about it. Right. So that guy was hooked right away. And by the end of the day, he was just sailing casts across the lake, having no problem, catching fish, enjoying himself. Um, It was awesome. And then uh, being able to do that on that day and see how happy everybody is going from a learning perspective to catching fish versus at the other end of the spectrum where there's a super talented angler out with me. And, uh, I'm able to then not have to focus on the fishing side of things. And I can, we can focus more on like the aspects of lake structure, water temperature, depth, clarity, all those types of things and yeah. how that plays into your presentation. Yeah. It gets to be, uh, it's not monotonous by any stretch of the imagination. Every day is different. And, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite people to take out are, uh, kids when people come out with a family um i've been yeah. really fortunate to take out a few families and uh it's it's super fun kids kids always have a blast and being able to put them on some fish and uh see how they'll grow throughout a day is it's pretty cool we're back it uh, appears i lost internet connection again so this is going quite well um <laughs> But what I was saying when I lost their net connection was when you're talking about the kids coming out, um, yeah. kind of saw that this year up at the lodge, uh, when there was the grandpa, the dad and the two kids, right? Oh yeah. The, yeah. the son and the daughter. And, um, like when you, when you see people first come in, ever it's human nature, everyone's making their first assumptions or whatever. And, um, we are totally blown out of the water by the daughter, right? Like the way that she picked it up throughout the, what is it? Six days we have them and the fish that she was catching and how, pumped she was about that i wasn't even in the boat and i was like that's pretty cool to see it was super cool the uh that one day i like i don't think anybody's caught that many pike in one of my boats up there before like that was absurd Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. No, that was like, what was this? Like 20 something pike over 40, wasn't I, it? I stopped counting at 25 pike over 40 inches. Wow. That's crazy. It's, it, it is. a Yeah. It's a bit different up there. Like the time of year we're up there, usually we say 40 inches is 20 pounds, right? Yeah. Um, maybe not the case with, with spawn and stuff like that going on, but I mean, that's still nuts. And obviously great guide put her in a spot where she could catch that many, right? Well, she just listened to what I had to say. I didn't do too much of the yeah. drive the boat around. Yeah, and that's that is the nice thing about up there. Like obviously everyone knows the fishing is insane, but it still is it's still work, right? Like it's you still as a it's not like you're just driving out there, it's like there's fish everywhere. Like I'm sure lots of the guys that took some of the fly fishermen out last year found out you can't go into every bay and there's fish. Like yeah. It's it's a it's a huge lake and you kind of think when you do get into a bay it's absolutely nuts and then you can literally go one bay over and there's nothing like yeah. it's 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 pretty crazy up there but I guess that kind of before we get into to the Lamarte side of things what is actually maybe maybe we should get into Lamarte and then we'll talk about the differences okay. in the clients so kind how did you how did you even end up there like I know for me I I seem to just fall into things. I don't know how I just (laughs) ended up there. Zach messaged me. He's like, Hey, you want to come up? But I obviously know I was pretty lucky because when I talked to you or I talked to Davis, talked to other guys, they wanted to go up there for a while. Right. And obviously it it takes time and and whatnot and getting lucky to be able to go up there as a guide. So how did, how did you get, uh, get into that role? You know, um, you say falling into it. I kind of fell into it as well. A little bit different situation, but, uh, yeah, like you're saying, I'd been wanting to go up to Lac Lamar to fish for probably a decade almost, but uh, I couldn't justify spending the means <laughs> thousands of dollars to go catch fish for a few days. Well, uh, when I could fish at home for about that much for the whole year, um, yeah. so never really made it happen. But uh, I ended up spend a little time talking with Zach on uh, Instagram, I think it was, but we were chatting back and forth and decided to meet up for a beer. So we met up for a beer and, uh, and Zach doesn't really even drink. No, that was the best <laughs> part about it. I didn't even know that at first. And then, uh, yeah, we went for a beer, but it was good. Um, so yeah, he asked, he's like, Hey, have you ever thought about, uh, guiding off the Northwest territories? I'm like, well, I have, but uh, I've got this job with the city now as a firefighter. It can be a little difficult to get time off this and that. And he's like, well, if you can make it work, let me know. So it just so happened that that year I was able to put together uh, the time off and combine some of my holidays uh, to get up there for a few weeks. And it was probably one of the best things I've ever done. And I've tried to continue that every year now so obviously COVID mm-hmm. put a bit of a damper on that um, but uh, was up there again last year I'll be back again this year and we'll see what uh, the next few years brings as well yeah so were you just up there one year before COVID uh, yeah 2019 yeah. yeah okay yeah so that's oh, I guess so even even there you'd be able to see how much has changed and going to change this year oh, yeah. even though it's only been a couple of years you've been up there right I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing the changes that are going to be implemented here uh, this year. I truly think we're in for a fantastic season. And if anybody's thinking about uh, going up to Lac Lamarque, this is the time to do it. They won't be disappointed. I think it's going to be a super special place. 
Yeah, I think to like with all the big upgrades and stuff coming, I might even get to sleep in a version of the Taj. Um, <laughs> so, so, sounds like the grain bin might be being retired, which is kind of sad. I mean, I, when I got home from being up north, I couldn't like going back to my bed here. I couldn't sleep at all. Like I had like the worst sleep ever my first night back, and I didn't think I'd be saying that when I first walked into the grain bin. When Isn't I got to the, to the island, I felt the same yeah. way, man. I love my time in the grain bin. Yeah, yeah, the grain bin was was awesome. Uh, for anyone who wants to know what the grain bin looks like, I have some pictures on my Instagram, um, at least of the front of it. Um, and I mean, you, when you look at it, you're kind of thinking like, I, I definitely like first impression getting there. I, I know the north. I know what to expect with the north. I've been in the north, kind of stuff like that. Not that far north, but the north is the north. So, yeah. kind of knew what to expect. That I'm walking in there and see fishy be in there. He's like, "Yeah, this is where you're going to be staying or whatever." And I'm like, <laughs> "Interesting." I'm happy. I was like, basically, just like I'm happy. I brought my own bed sheet. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was good. And uh, and then, but yeah, once you get used to that, get the big thing, get the mosquito net going, lifesaver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you get used to that and you're so you're, you're working every day, no days off. Right. And so you're beat when you go to bed. Like I, I don't know how lots of you guys did it. Like we were talking about before, um, I had a power nap for the podcast and I, I can nap like crazy, but being up there like 10 o'clock hits, whatever, 11 o'clock. If, if you're, I was lucky enough not to, to go out night fishing so I could go to bed at a somewhat normal time, <laughs> but I don't know how some guys would stay up late. Like I'd be like, just like hardly keep my eyes open go to bed and i'd wake up in the morning I'm like man i am just dead but <laughs> it's it's a good it's a good exhausted it's not uh not one from stress not one from yeah. working too hard in a bad way like you're still working hard but it's just that being outside all day is a big thing and i think it's a healthy exhaustion right exactly. like compared to working inside all day you're tired from a fulfilling day yeah that's exactly it yeah it's a, it's a healthy healthy version of it but man it feels the same. You cannot keep your eyes open. Like, <laughs> no, you I know. I was always, I was always going to bed. So the guys would be like, like, why are you going to bed already? I was like, I just, I can't. My head hits that pillow just out. And so maybe that'll change a bit this year. But yeah, no, the the naps are good. But uh, I guess going to that now, we kind of know how you got there and everything. Um, what's the biggest difference you've seen between the clients? Like, I guess one thing I could probably point out is it was all Americans when I was up there for that month, right? Yeah. Um, I think, like you said, you get all different kinds of people down south with, with your own guiding business uh, from experience to not experienced. But um, I feel like lots of these people that come up north um, to the territories are, lots of them are, are pretty skilled, but they do these trips as their fishing trips. Like I don't think they're going out on the weekends as much when they're home, right? Like yeah. they're not doing that as much. That's one thing I noticed. But for you, that's kind of dealt with both of them. What did, what do you notice as differences? Um, first and foremost, uh, whether going up to Lac Lamarck or they're coming out fishing with me, everybody's interested in fishing. They want to catch fish. Mm -hmm. And obviously that kind of makes sense. But uh, I find a lot of the people that I take out here at home are more interested in learning per se and hearing what I have to yeah. say about what may improve their fishing and success versus up north. And we kind of touched on that yeah. with uh, uh, the one guy's daughter there out on the boat with me. She actually listened to what I had to say and absolutely crushed everybody else that I was fishing with that week. Um, yeah. 
uh, a lot of the clients up north, uh, they're—I don't want to say they're set in their ways, but uh, but a lot of them aren't willing to take that constructive criticism the same way that somebody is here at home, and mm-hmm. they'll still catch fish, but I bet they would catch even more if they took into account some of the information we were trying to relay to them. So I'd say that would be kind of the most similar, but also the biggest difference between them all. Everybody, they're there to catch fish. They're there to have fun. They're there to be outside. And uh, that's all there is to it. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely funny. You say that with kind of being more set in their ways. And I guess people have to understand too, like there's a big, big price difference between, a lo- between a local guy mm-hmm. down south compared to going up there and you're flying into an island on a lake in the middle of nowhere it's lodging it's all this right so you're gonna get people from all different walks of life like i know my first set of clients awesome people loved loved having them in the boat and they're like they're like yeah like we, t- we would take a loan to be on this trip and he's the one the the one guy there he's like you can't take it with you when you go so he's like this is what i spend my money on i go on these trips whereas other people it's like this is their retreat from work and yeah. they're a big shot somewhere or whatever right like there's lots lots of different people but um it is funny when you when you try and tell someone hey like you try and be nice about it. hey you should try this like oh, i think i'm gonna do this like okay like i i know that you i'm your guide but it also it helps if you maybe listen a little bit like i you do you do it a lot but i had one one uh client that we were trolling and uh the dad caught a fish or whatever and i was like oh yeah i got a lake trout he's like oh, I, it sounds like i think it's a pike i was like i at this point i've seen it i was like oh, i'm pretty sure it's a lake trout he's like no I, I think it's a pike i'm like okay pull it into the boat i was like oh a lake trout he's like oh nice it's <laughs> like just kind of funny interactions like that you're like yeah. oh, it's kind of funny but i mean it's also people too that they are lots like so many of these people are crazy smart people too right so this is just being in a whole different realm for them right like yeah. like how many doctors were up there oh, last man. year right like just like stupid smart people right yeah stupid smart yeah. people and uh a lot of a lot of fun like uh, <laughs> dr bob <laughs> yeah the uh, inventor of nerds candy there you go yeah yeah, exactly. Like there's the, the and it's crashed a float plane twice, stuff like that. Like lots of these these stories and stuff. So I know we just shared a, a clip on Instagram from one of our podcasts last year with Jay Siemens. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's basically talking about taking that leap, going up and guiding and stuff. Yeah, I and saw that. I think, yeah. yeah, and I think one of the best things is the people you meet. Like I'm out there lucky enough to be fishing every day and I'm just fascinated by the people I'm talking yeah. to. Like, the jobs they do and like like they said that group there of five from from the states they were late 70s right or 70s to early 80s huge life experiences all over the place right and it's like the stories they had and stuff is like almost just you could just sit there the one the one guy the first day we went out with those guys um just got talking to him kind of like always asked like what are you looking for like or or you want to just catch a bunch of fish or you wanted to take it out for big ones or like kind of like what what are you looking for on your trip kind of thing and what are you hoping hoping to come across and we just started talking and we trolled from not even trolled we didn't even have hooks in the water we left the s curve there coming out of the lodge 
and I idled all the way to the big island. And that's how long we talked for. Like, and because, like, and he wasn't saying that he wanted to fish or anything yet. We we're just talking, and he could tell stories for it was about an hour and a half of just idling there. Like, it was a it was a long time, but I'm like, that's what he wants out of the trip too, right? Like, talk, talking about whatever. So, no, I think that's there is lots of similarities, but also differences right and i i think that's what makes it cool and would be cool for you because you get to see both sides of that right like i don't do any of that down here um yeah i don't i don't know one thing i've always wondered is what maybe you don't have the issue as much but um say like for our lakes that we have here in saskatchewan like last mountain great walleye fishery and stuff guys have their spots is there anything that you have to do as a local guide to uh stop not stop people but like you, you can never stop them I, what i'm trying to say is how do you worry about your sp- spots like so say if you're on last mountain and someone just pays you to go up for a day and then you see them at all the spots you took them to the next like the whole rest of the summer right like is there anything you can do about that at all um not really the uh you <laughs> that's the thing you i gauge i'll gauge an individual pretty well if i if i can tell if they're just out there to try and figure out from me where to go fish guess what i'm not going to take them fishing to the best spots simple as that and and it's not that i'm um i'm not trying to downplay uh my guiding side of things or anything like that but if somebody's out there to learn uh, and have an experience i want them to be able to have that and i'll i'll take them and show them around and guess what if they get out in their own boat and they go fish that same spot down the road i don't care i really Mm -hmm. don't yeah, but if I'm taking somebody out that I can tell knows what they're doing, and they're just like, "Oh yeah, take me to where you catch the biggest walleye," well, I'm probably not yeah. going to take you where on I this catch lake the exactly. <laughs> Sorry, pal. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's uh, um, I'm I've I've been fortunate enough I haven't had to deal with that too much. Um, yeah, but uh, on that same note. Uh, with the popularity that fishing has gained in the last two to three years with COVID and everything else, um, I'm starting to see a lot of the spots that I wouldn't see people before are getting more and more pressure. And I haven't showed them those spots. People are taking the time Mm -hmm. and putting in the effort and finding them on their own. Uh, Or they're asking Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I know where that (laughs) tree is. Yeah. Yeah, the the pinching in, zooming into the backgrounds. Yeah, that's it's always funny, and, and I I mean I totally understand it with the Facebook thing too, because people maybe that's the one time they're getting out in, this summer or something. It's like, yeah. where are the fish biting today? And it, I always just usually leave it mostly because I don't have a clue. But it's it's funny seeing the comments on there. It's like, why are you asking? Go figure it out yourself. It's like some people don't know, right? Yeah. They maybe have never yeah. fished Diefenbaker, and they. They just want a starting point, right? Like, I don't think anyone's asking for coordinates. Like, that's that's a total different thing. But yeah. I mean, that's that's always funny. But no, I think uh, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good representation of of the differences between uh, between the northern, far north, with the territories there, and kind of down in Alberta. I guess what would be something that you think fishing wise that Alberta doesn't get enough credit for? Because people always talk about Manitoba. They talk about Saskatchewan get to BC and you get to, as far as like the sturgeon or going to the ocean, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like what's, what's Alberta kind of sneaky good for as far um, as fishing? I, I just want to go back actually to clients quick and then I'll come back to touch yep. on that. You were saying there too, how clients have 
so many stories to tell. And uh, that is another thing that I also truly love in all those experiences, whether it is here at home or up in the territories. And I don't think a lot of people consider how therapeutic fishing is in the sense that you're able to just air everything out there with either yourself or whoever, whoever else you're out there with. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's an important part of it. It is. Yeah, it is big time. Like I said, the hours where you're not catching anything, there's a pretty good conversations in there too, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, Alberta. Uh, there's a few lakes uh, around that, uh, <coughs> pardon me, require quite a bit of a hike, but uh, you can get into some golden trout in some of our higher elevation lakes. I'd say that's a little bit of a oh, yeah. claim to fame around here. Um, and a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of big fish in this province. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. and you don't necessarily need to travel far for those big fish. Uh, I see a lot of people complaining that all they ever catch is small fish. Um, there's no big fish left in the lakes, those types of things. I promise if you put in the time and effort and maybe change up your tactics a little bit, there's a lot of big fish to be caught in a lot of different lakes. There's, yeah. there's several lakes within an hour of Edmonton here where I know you can catch 40-inch pike and 30-inch walleye. It's just a matter yeah. of knowing where they are and then finding out how to catch them. Yeah, exactly. And that's even, like you sent me that pick of your, was it 48-inch pike? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that's, you don't, like Saskatchewan's known for big fish, and but even still to see that size is just, crazy like you don't see it a lot on uh, like lots of different groups on facebook but when you sent me that i was like i I got to know a bit better this summer between you and and fishy b how good the pike fishing could be in alberta (laughs) but i wasn't expecting that especially driving distance of anywhere yeah Yeah. reasonable driving distance i guess but um like that was that was nuts that fish was stupid long and i'm like i didn't expect that really from from main populated somewhat area of alberta like yeah, they're, they're definitely so, around. And unfortunately, one of our best pike lakes in this province uh, suffered, uh, it was in 2005, the oil spill at Lake Wadman, I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. And for a few years afterwards, uh, the cleanup efforts on the lake removed a lot of vegetation from the lake in the spring while the pike were spawning. Mm. Um, so there wasn't the recruitment needed to continue uh a healthy population of pike for a few years but uh i'm starting to see that pike population come back a lot of people might disagree with me um, especially after the introduction of walleye into the lake um but uh if you go look for them out there there's some big pike in Wadley. yeah they're there yeah well it's 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 crazy like there's i think obviously you can run into especially small closed off stocked lakes you can run into stunting Mm -hmm. but as far as bigger lakes like it's i know i've seen lots of like lots of times we have the rivers dry up around here it's happened a couple times in the last several years and some of the fish in there are massive like it's it's ridiculous in this little tiny spot how big these fish can be so i i think for with the exclusion of those little tiny closed off lakes that can get stunted i think there's always some lunkers around it's just 
like you said, knowing where to go, knowing what to use, putting in the time is the big thing, right? Like you could go to Buffalo and to Buffalo Pound there and catch three inch perch all day and think that there's only small ones in there. But I was lucky enough to kind of figure it out even more this winter and I was catching multiple over 12 inches and it's like if we had just stayed with the one method that most people are doing, yeah, we kept catching three to six inches and switch it up a bit and those fish are there. It's just about switching things up. So I think that there always is those sides there. So I was kind of laugh when someone will say that, like, there's no big fish left. It's like, well, where'd they go? Well, you shouldn't have mentioned <laughs> right. anything about perch. You're going to have every Albertan flocking out there for your perch now. <laughs> yeah. No, we've got, uh, we've got an insane boom of, of perch on there. It's actually like to put the camera down and see 30, 40 perch on the camera wasn't uncommon like it, no, there are not lots of big ones when that's happening but it's yeah. it's crazy well, I mean, if they, if they see, want to drive all the way here but you should see it all they will people will i know people in this province <laughs> that will drive 68 hours to fish for perch for perch and there's a couple lakes well several lakes around that every year um there was one lake two years ago uh i would see maybe another vehicle out on the lake maybe two in a day catching mm-hmm. some good sized perch this year there was one day i counted over 300 trucks and i like Jeez. didn't even put a dent in how many vehicles are out there man yeah yeah and guess what yeah there ain't a lot of perch left <laughs> no that's and you definitely start to notice that and that's one thing that i didn't being someone who doesn't really keep much um talking to my buddy who was working at the provincial park at buffalo and he was yeah one of the job or he was a supervisor so they'd clean out the filling shacks and he's like dude the number of fish that come out of these lakes every day that i'm t- emptying it's like it's insane not not he wasn't saying it in a negative way it's just it's impressive what a population can withstand lots of the time too but it also you can tip that scale pretty quickly and exactly. like you said it can really can really mess things up too and i don't you might think oh i'm only keeping I don't know what the, what's the limit for perch in Alberta. Is it 10, 25? 15. No limit. <laughs> oh, 15. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, you can be like, I'm only keeping my 15 and there's tons down there, but 15 multiplied by 300, whatever. Right. You yeah. want to say there's one person in each of those trucks that could be a lot of damage in one day. Well, and depending what your guys's possession limit is, who knows? Right. That's exactly it. Even let's say, 25 of those 300 trucks were on fish all day keep their Mm -hmm. limit of big perch that's a lot of big perch that are no longer spawning in that lake yeah and also for anyone who keeps perch how often do they how often are they not a female yeah exactly right it's it's the from what i've seen lots of times is whatever is your big one that you're considered a keeper size is a female pretty well 99 percent of the time right so Maybe once you start to get into that seven, eight inch range, there's some more males, it seems like, in that size, but anything over 12 seems to be a female, I found, to be full of eggs pretty well every time. So, yeah. So, um, that's one thing to think about, too. That's lots of, lots of eggs out of there. But no, that's interesting. That's the, that's the sneaky, sneaky stuff about Alberta, the pike. And I didn't even know they had golden trout. So now everyone's going to be looking for those. So (laughs) you can thank yourself for that. (laughs) Yeah. I, and I think that's one thing that's pretty cool. Like obviously Saskatchewan always made jokes about it being flat and this and that and whatnot, but it's cool in Alberta how you do have 
lots of those like Alberta being known for hiking, right? That's a big thing that people do in Alberta and that you can hike into these lakes. I think that's pretty cool because there's not much that you're hiking into in Saskatchewan unless you do go up north, right? Even if it's a trail or whatever, like every lake pretty well south of, I would say for sure PA is, you can drive right up to it, right? So um, I think that would be a pretty cool aspect. And have you ever had anyone doing any of that for your guiding or is it always boat pretty well um, for the summer as of right now i haven't done any hiking trips yet um in the future i'm looking at options for that uh same with on the river uh doing some river trips uh mm-hmm. potential to have a jet boat down the road for fishing some of the bigger rivers as well but for the time being okay uh we'll stick to stick to the lakes for now but there's uh there's yeah. definitely things in the works yeah, and that's the nice thing, especially with Edmonton, with the the rivers flowing right through there, right? Yeah. Like we, those I I don't I get the north and the south mixed up, but basically I know Moose Jaw and Regina, we don't have any of those around us, right? Like you go to Saskatoon, you can fish the river yeah. and stuff like that, but we don't have that available to us. Like we do have um, some littler rivers and stuff, but it's nothing like the the north and south Sask, right? Yeah. So I think that's one thing that's that's pretty cool there. Um, I mean, I guess the bow flows into deep eventually and that's close enough to us, but you're not fishing deep. Like you're fishing the river in Saskatoon or whatever. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's something that's pretty cool, but I guess, I don't know how, how long I've kept you here because this is like our fourth different recording with my (laughs) internet going out. But, uh, was there anything else you wanted to go over before I get you into some, uh, rapid fire questions here Uh, or mention? No, I don't think so. I appreciate you having me on. It's been good to chat about some fishing stuff and, the lodge life and whatnot else. I'm looking forward to getting back up there with you and everybody else. So it'd be good. Yeah. It'd be cool to, uh, it'd be cool to get a, a group of the, of the guys on and just have a lodge life episode. That talk about the, awesome. what it's like. Yeah. Try and give somewhat of a description of it. Cause I know there's lots of people that want to do it, but it just seems so far out of reach until it's actually happening. Right. Yeah. Like I never, like I always thought it'd be cool but like, there's no way like logistically, like I could do that. Right. Like it just wouldn't work out. And then this year has been nice. Cause Zach messaged me and like, I was getting the boat ready when he called me. Okay. So I was yeah, in April. I, th- I don't know what it was. It was stupid late, like to go into the season. And I'm like, man, I'd love to do that. And I was all amped up about it. And I was like, I don't know how I could do that. But being at having an episode with the lodge life and stuff would really show people. It's not that difficult to actually make it work. Right. Like no. it's, yeah. It's definitely yeah. doable as long as, as long as you have the time. If there's anybody that's thinking about taking the jump and going and being a guide or working as a dockhand before being a guide, do it. It's mm-hmm. it, You won't regret it. It's such an experience. Yeah, and there's tons of lodges everywhere. Like, they all need people. It's not like there's an abundance of people that are willing to go do it. So there, I think there's lots of openings everywhere. So even, like you said, doing the dockhand thing, um, like you look at... Uh, you look at Jesse and Ryan, Ryan being the chef, how much they got to do fishing wise while they were onshore people, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. Like you look at, at Ryan who being the chef, I don't really, he hadn't done a lot of fishing before being up there. Right. And within the first couple of weeks there, he's ordered a whole setup and he's learning so much. And you could just see that from him just getting to fish the little bit he did offshore. So even if you're not out guiding, you still get to fish and stuff like that. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth the leap, but, uh, yeah, let's get into, uh, to some of these rapid fire. No, actually that's a lie. I had, I said, we'd talk about whitefish. Oh, whitefish. I had, I had, I had, I had, All right. Yeah. Cause 
I I caught one on a by accident kind of bycatch jigging up or around Flin Flon at my girlfriend's lake in the summer. Wasn't targeting them by any means. Um, and then this year was finally able to get them figured out at Deef a little bit. And they are a blast. Like when they're fired up, yeah. it was insane, especially being able to watch it on the live scope too. Um, as I look down, it's right beside me right now. But um, <laughs> getting to watch them on there, it's actually crazy. Like you see, if you're just on a flash and you're marking fish all day, you think, man, they're just not interested, which... I think lots of the time that might be the case with the with the whitefish. They can maybe be quite finicky, but I, ca- I see these posts on Instagram about you catching them on Len Thompson's, and I want to know what that's all about. So there's not many lakes around where you can get on a super aggressive bite uh, for whitefish like that, especially in Alberta. Um, in northern Saskatchewan, across Manitoba and Ontario, it's actually pretty often that people will use jigging spoons and stuff to catch whitefish because they're targeting small right. bulls, uh, ciscos, that type of stuff. Um, yeah. So this particular lake that I'm catching these whitefish on, it's a journey into, it's about 70k on a snowmobile. Um, but, okay. uh, it is worth, I know exactly where it is. Exactly. Now. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's incredible getting up there and fishing for these whitefish. You can use like a six inch spoon and just reef it through the water column and they'll crush it on the drum and, oh, really? and like big, big whitefish. The biggest one, uh, we got this year was about 10 and a half pounds. Uh, I think it was wow. 26 and a half inches long, if I remember correctly, like just an absolute, oh, that's a cake. fat one. Yeah, just a beefcake. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I'll send you a picture afterwards of it. Uh, okay. My buddy uh, kept that one. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that is that would be a fat one because I know I think the master angler length here is 23 inches. Oh, wow. And we've caught a couple over that uh, at Deep this year, but they were nowhere near that weight. Like they okay. were skinnier. Yeah. I could only imagine how tall those fish would have had, that fish would have had to have been. Oh, to, it was. It to was get that. one of the most misproportionate whitefish I've ever seen. Just <laughs> stupid. But uh, well, yeah, um, the I think the Alberta record here is a it, it's either eleven point one pounds or eleven point eight pounds or eleven pounds eight ounces, something like that. I can't remember okay. for sure. And like I saw this fish come out of the hole, and I was like, that thing's pushing pretty close to the limit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so are you keeping them very often? I had to keep one. My girlfriend caught it, and it swallowed the hook pretty good and i know they're pretty uh fragile would that be fair to say ish um, um, so like, it all depends ish. i i don't think they're as fragile as people say they are but uh definitely if they swallow the hook that's that's what happens it was the same thing well, with it's Landon's. impossible to get out <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah. that's that was the same thing with landon's here it, it absolutely swallowed the hook it had been it was about a 20 minute fight he had on that white fish it was just awesome mm-hmm. so yeah super tired fish hook in the gills we put it back it's odds of survival aren't high enough already so whatever we kept it we kept a couple mm-hmm. um i typically don't keep the whitefish uh, from up north i find the ones up here have uh worms in them quite a bit whims 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 <laughs> so uh the one i did keep um i took the time to cut out all the cysts and stuff and they they're not supposed to affect humans in any sense but uh they're still just a little weird piece of mind when you're filling in your fish and stuff and it's just easy to cut them out and you don't have to worry about it yeah exactly and that's so 
when you say you don't keep the ones up north as much, is there some that you keep down south that you find don't um, fill up like that? Yeah, if I was to fish for them around here, uh, there's a few lakes around that you can keep them in there. They're nice, firm, fleshed, free yeah. of worms fish. Um, yeah. Again, I'm I'm more like you. I'm pretty well catch and release. I'll keep some walleye locally here and there, but I typically don't keep fish. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the one thing I was interested in because when I cleaned that fish, I all I see is everyone just smoking them. So I yeah. just headed it, gutted it, just like I would do a trout and had it like that. Then I was like, I don't own a smoker, so I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, so I just ended up slabbing it like any other thing yeah. and i put up a story asking people how they cook it one guy said to kind of remove that mud line in between the meat yeah. and the skin and that came off i i don't know if it was by skill or luck i took that off when i took the skin off so that was perfect but um i just ended up frying it up like i would like a like a shallow i don't know if you'd say shallow fry like a pan fried walleye okay. like just a little yeah. bit of oil and some seasoning and uh, my girlfriend who won't eat fish tried it and she's like, it doesn't even taste like fish. Like it was, yeah. I was very surprised at how good it was. So I might have to start keeping a little bit more of those cause they seem to be everywhere if I can catch them. But, um, that was the interesting part because I was catching, like I see everyone using wire worms. So I bought a couple of those yeah. when I was younger, but, um, maybe I, I, cause I was using jigging spoons for them. Um, like kind of like a slender spoon or something yeah. like yeah. that. And they would kind of chase it a bit, but to actually get them to bite seemed hard or impossible at that point. So lots of times we just were putting minnows down and then put a little hook in one of them and wait for it to pick it up off the bottom. Right. Um, but that's not near as fun. So we were lucky this year. I kind of did a dropper system with a jigging spoon and a wire worm yeah. and that seemed to be the ticket. And they were actually hitting the spoon more than the worm. So that kind of was a cooler part too. But then I caught a 30 inch burbot on the wire worm and I was like, this day couldn't get any better. I did not, I did <laughs> not expect awesome. that whatsoever. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a master angler burb here too. It's, it's yeah. 30 inches and over. It was a long skinny one, probably a, a male, but I was like, I couldn't believe it. I pulled it up. I thought for sure it'd be on the spoon and yeah, no, it's got the wire worm right in the corner of its mouth. So awesome. I just, yeah, I just want to talk about that because I, I saw your story. I'm like, why are why are these eating a Lentopsin right now? Like yeah. I understand like a skinnier, smaller spoon, but I was like, what it's, the heck's up with this? It's wild. I'll send you a few more pictures of some of the other ones uh, this winter and some of the stuff they were eating. It's, um, it's just the forage base of what they're eating in those Northern lakes versus the central lakes that yeah. I fish here. When I fish around here, a lot of times I'm using the small slender spoons, um, maybe even all the way down to like a number seven Lentopsin, super small wire worms, ice flies, grubs, that kind of stuff, keeping it tiny, yeah. maybe using some maggots for bait. Um, up north, I'm not sure if it's more of a reactionary bite or if they are truly trying to eat those baits. Watching them on the flasher chase you up and down with those big spoons mm -hmm. is wild. <laughs> yeah, it will be just like lake trout fishing probably, it is. right? It's pretty much identical yeah. to lake trout fishing, yep. Yeah. And I know people say that with Cisco fishing too. Like you go to some of the chain lakes around here and you can fish Cisco just like you fish Lakers. They'll, you're in the deep water and they're chasing you up and down like crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fun to watch on the flash no matter what's going to be on the other end of the line. But, um, yeah. So I, I almost forgot that part. That was one of the main things I wanted to ask you about surprisingly of this whole thing was like, I saw that and I was like, I got to ask him over audio, basically what's the deal with that? Cause I saw that. I was like, 
what's this guy doing? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I have a lot of people that still don't believe me. They, they absolutely they're like, no, you staged that, you put that hook in that yeah. fish's mouth. And I'm like, yeah, you believe just, what you want to You caught him on a wire worm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you'll just have to take him out and show him then. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get to the rapid fire. I've got, I've got three here. Okay. And you didn't know these before. These are very, very important questions. Um, so first one here, best fishing snack. Ooh, um, I like spits. Oh, one of those guys. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Spits, uh, or beef jerky. Big fan of beef jerky. Homemade. Not any yeah. of that Jack links or big chief homemade beef jerky. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. And up North it's an apple and an orange. Yes, it is. Maybe some yeah. chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> oh yeah. Hopefully that's there again this year. I, I had to stop myself at the first week there. I was crushing like two or three before lunch, two or three after lunch. And then a couple after I was like, I can't eat this many cookies. Yeah. No, those were good snacks for that. So next one here, you have one, you have one, one bait lure, whatever to fish for every species. What, what are you going with? Like you you have one choice Number for two. a best all around lure. Number two, Len Thompson, the classic five of diamonds. Yeah, I, I knew it was going to be five of diamonds. <laughs> I, I think that's probably, we'll see everyone's answer. Who's ever, who's ever had the opportunity to put one on? Yeah, probably the most sold design, I would have to think, as far as a, a fishing lure goes, if you went back to the beginning of time. Yeah. But yeah, I figured that'd be the answer, but I wanted to see if you had some other kind of secret there. So, um, And this one kind of pertains to, uh, to being up north. Uh, what's your what's your go to setup for Lakers? I know we didn't touch on lake trout like at all for this, but uh, I want to want to know that maybe for my own personal knowledge this uh, this spring. You know what? That's an interesting question. I even myself fishing Lakers in a few different lakes over the years. Um, I was never. I always like big spoons, trolling big spoons. That mm-hmm. was my go to. I've always done really well on them. Um, I've owned the Quickfish T60s or Flatfish T60s, and I've never had great luck with them. And then I don't know what I changed last year, but all of a sudden the T60s were killing it for me. Um, so I yeah. do enjoy using those. I, I'm running them about six feet behind a couple ounces of weight to get them down, but uh, yeah. they seem to be working well for me with uh, Hoochie throwing on the back. Um. Uh, bondy baits as well, slow trolling bondy baits with big jigs. That's uh, yeah. a pretty well surefire way to get some big lake trout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was kind of something I found interesting when I was up there this year, just because I I had fished lake trout a bit, but for us actually where I am in Musha, the closest lake trout fishing is to go south to Fort Peck. Okay, yeah. in the states. Yeah, um, I think that's like a four six hour trip. Um, Otherwise, I think the next closest is heading a little bit northeast to uh, Manitoba. And otherwise, you're going up pretty far north in Sass to kind of start to get into that. Yeah. Um, kind of that Lac La Ronge area and stuff like that. So um, I hadn't done it as much. I know you can research and everything all you want, but even nothing nothing is better than actually doing yeah, it and talking on. to people who have done it, right? So I know going out with like Fishy Bee there for for the first couple of days and stuff before you'd gotten there. And that guy's a trout aficionado. Like yeah. just is, he is a trout, I think in a past life, but um, like seeing the stuff he did. And like, for me, what worked best for me when I was up there was just, I had 
the big Len Thompson's and I just love trolling those because especially my biggest thing was uh, with some of the clients trying to tell them, okay, put out this much or trying to basically make it so they weren't getting snagged, right? Because I was fishing quite a bit shallower, I found too, lots mm-hmm. of the time, but also fishing, I think I was fishing slower than most other people too. Yeah. So that probably tied into the t- uh, getting snagged a bit, but I just found for at least the time I was up there at the start, I did get up going a bit deeper kind of near the end of my time up there. But those, like you said, those big spoons, nothing could beat those for me. It was just, yeah. they seemed to just, I had those in my tackle for ages and I just always thought I'd use them for big pike, but trolling those for lake trout was, was money for me. Yeah. Like I, I don't say Len, Len Thompson is great. That's one thing too. I concur. Um, I do. Yeah. I will say as well, actually, last year I fished quite a bit shallower for most of the year while I was up there, and I did a lot better in shallower water for those big lakers this year, which I found mm-hmm. um, different from past experiences. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think I think that could play into everything was like two weeks late last year, yeah. right? Ice coming off, all that stuff. So water temperatures could have been different than what it typically is as well so maybe that will screw me over when i'm up there for my second (laughs) year this year but um no that was like lots lots of my 40s were in like 20 feet of water yeah and it's like i wasn't i wasn't deep not that that lake gets stupid deep anyways luckily luckily for us too it's a bit bit easier that way but um like in the spring they can be anywhere right they're not segregate or not stuck in one area kind of thing with the water temps so it is a bit different in that sense, but yeah, trolling those spoons, I, I love that. I did on the last day um, that I was fishing with Candy Bob there, um, I, I think, because it was just me and him, we don't fish, right, when when we're out guiding, but he told me to fish because it was just him, and I could just hand it off to him anyways if, if we caught something. And that day, I did switch. Every time I caught a fish, I switched baits, and that was kind of cool to do. I maybe should have done that at the start rather than the yeah. end. Um, of my time up there, but yeah, that was, was pretty cool to see. But again, the spoon seemed to outfish most things other than, I know you did get a really good deal on some flat fish. So, or on the, on the T sixties or whatever, but, uh, I'd maybe use a couple of those this year up there maybe, but <laughs> I, I did like to use those, but like the one, the one nice thing is depending on the clients you have, they don't want to hold on to that either. Right. Yeah. Like the rod. So as well as the, uh, what were the other ones that they liked up there? I can't the remember their name right. Yeah, the believers. Those hanging onto those rods all day could get, could get old too, right? So yeah, depending if you have some young clients, it's not bad. Yeah. But the spoon is is pretty easy for them to hang on to, or if um, maybe they just don't have as much strength and stuff like that too. The the spoon was good. Yeah. Well, I guess I've kept you long enough. Um, no Oilers game for you to watch tonight. No. But unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately not, but uh, yeah, I guess where 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 can people find you? I know you got a couple different accounts, stuff like yeah. that. I, do you have a website and stuff too? Yeah, so uh, I have my website for the business, uh, AdamsAnglingAdventures.com. Uh, then uh, on social media for uh, the guiding page, Adams Angling Adventures. Um, my own personal page, Adam Gamble Outdoors, both on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's about it. I'm not on Twitter. I don't do uh, TikTok really. I'm on there, but uh, TikTok ain't my thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Probably Instagram is the best way to to get a hold of you. Yeah. If they, for sure. if they need a quick answer like that, I think that's what most of us most of us use. But yeah, no. Thank you for coming on. I see now it's probably this has probably been like an hour and a half 
something like that, I think, based on the fact that this recording alone was 45 minutes. So um, really appreciate you taking the time. No worries. Come on, and I'll be, I'll be seeing you in, in a couple, couple weeks, actually. Gotcha. Looking forward to seeing my boy. For sure. <laughs> Looking forward to it as well. Thanks for coming on. Heck yeah, buddy. Really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, Adam's always great to talk to. Had lots of great conversations up at the lodge, of course. Uh, when you're when you're stuck on an island with someone for a month, you're gonna find out if uh, if you enjoy being around them or not. And that's definitely someone I enjoy being around. So um, I hope you guys kind of tell that and and enjoyed listening to that episode there. Um, we have a this was our first interview episode that we've done in a little bit, given we had the tournament there and and the tournament update. So um, it was nice to get back into the rhythm of things with these interview episodes. We plan to keep those going. We'll actually be recording another one right away to go out in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, so we're hoping to get back on that schedule. But thank you again for, for tuning in. Um, we're really looking forward to the things that we got planned for this year. And uh, just wanted to give a shout out again to our presenting sponsor, 13 Fishing. Be sure to check out their website, shop all the brands, and use code Weekend Warriors to save yourself 15%. Um, it's again, it's the time of year to get stocked up for spring and summer fishing and I think we're all getting pretty excited for that so be sure to uh, stay tuned on the socials for any announcements and stuff like that and we'll see you in the next episode thanks for tuning in to the weekend warriors fishing podcast if you enjoyed the show be sure to leave a review on your favorite listening platform so we can reach more anglers just like you find us on facebook instagram and youtube for media updates and behind the scenes content